Pastor Xavier Reese says, the Lord's work is no spectator sport. Get in the game. If you serve only when things are convenient or comfortable, you probably won't serve much in the church. Sadly, the church is so much like a football team. You've got thousands of spectators who need desperate exercise and they're sitting on their duff. And you've got a small number of men out there who are in great shape and they're out there exerting themselves. And everybody's watching them. We are to serve at all times. There is no exception. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant, Jesus told the disciples. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And when it comes to serving the body of Christ, Pastor Xavier reminds us how the trend is usually to leave it for the other guy. And so today, he takes us to a study from the Gospel of John, and no greater illustration than Jesus himself, humbled as a slave. We'll see one great simple truth served right to the feet of the disciples. Here's Pastor Xavier. John chapter 13, verse 1 through 20. I've entitled the message, Jesus, the servant of love. Jesus has ended his public ministry to the Jews, revealing that despite the many signs and words that he had given to them, they did not believe. And therefore, they came to the place where they could not believe. Chapter 12, verse 39. What a tragic place that a person can come to, that they are around the things of God, the Word of God, the people of God, and they continue to reject and to live contrary to what they're hearing, and they come to the place where they cannot believe. It's very clear and very straightforward. The book of Hebrews is another one who tells you, be careful, take heed, don't harden your heart, don't be drifting away, but move on in the race. Now the Lord will concentrate on his private ministry to his own disciples, his public ministry, 1 through 12, his private ministry, 13 through 21. Easy division in John. This is the fulfillment of Isaiah. In fact, where they came to, they could not believe in the rejection of Jesus, even as much as he told us this in the prologue. Remember chapter 1, verse 11 and 12? He says that he came to his own, his own received him not. But to as many as believed him and received them, to them gave he the authority to become the children of God. So in the prologue, he's told us that he came to his own, but his own was not going to receive him. They were going to reject him. And so he's calling out a people to himself. If you will, Jesus is the second Moses, the second Moses. The first Moses called the Exodus out of Egypt. Jesus is calling the Exodus now from ritualism to relationship. A different Exodus. Now, for our study, we want to look at Jesus as he washes the disciples' feet, which reveals three truths about how we are to serve one another. So let me read the, um, the text, and we'll give you the three truths. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, uh, Simon's son to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, uh, took a towel and girded himself. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my head, uh, my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whoever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. As Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, it reveals three truths to us about how we are to serve one another. First of all, we are to serve at all times. This is the proclamation. Secondly, we are to serve all people. This is the exhortation. And then thirdly, we are to serve like Jesus. This is the application. Now, let's look at the first. We are to serve at all times. The proclamation, verse 1 through 5. Notice in verse 1, we are to serve at all times, even in times of crises. Jesus was serving even though he was about to die. You can't get a greater crisis than that. I'm always amazed at the excuses people have for not serving. There's always something, isn't there? It's like the guy who's at home and, you know, he says, yeah, I'm really going to be at church. I really am this time. And he walks out and he has a flat. He says, oh, I guess the Lord doesn't want me to go. Uh, fix the flat. There's always some kind of excuse by some individuals. Jesus would be the Lamb of God at the Passover, just a day and a half, two away. Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, yet he did not hold service to his own. Sometimes we are so carried about ourselves because of what's going on that we forget everybody else because we are so concerned about ourselves. We are so overwhelmed about the situation that's affecting us and touching me and ca captivating my mind that I am totally oblivious to, to the needs of others and the sensitivity of others because I blind myself. I become the object of my life. See, Jesus served his own, it says here, to the utmost limit of love. It says, unto the end. In other words, he loved to the maximum, to the ultimate, at all times. And so we are to serve even in times of crises. 
But secondly, we are to serve at all times, even when you know things about people. Look at verse 2. Jesus knew that he was eating with one who would betray him. How would you like that? How would you be eating? Looking at him. Like, you wouldn't be kicking back, leaning back. Uh-uh. I mean, these kind of scriptures just nail me, you know? They just show me where I'm coming from at times. And show me how long I have to go. How far. The supper was in progress, not ended. That's a wrong translation. It was in progress. As you know, in verse 12, he sits down again at the supper. And they don't leave till 431. Uh, the supper was not the last supper, but the Passover meal for Judas left prior to the institution of the Lord's table. As the synoptics point out, Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22. I don't believe that Judas partook of the Lord's table. Everything indicates that he left prior to that. Uh, but it shouldn't be surprising to us that John doesn't record the Lord's table. He doesn't record Gethsemane and many other things. He's got specific things in mind. Now, Jesus knew that Satan had already put in Judas Iscariot's heart to betray him. Now, understand that. He's serving in spite of what he knows. You know what hinders me from serving and loving people? What I know about him. And God says that I can do both love and serve regardless of what I know if I will die to self and depend upon him. But there's the key. Tough choice, isn't it? Me or them. Usually I win. Satan is called a murderer. Satan's called the father of lies. He's a liar and the father of it in John 8, 44. He's called the God of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He's called uh, Abaddon, Apollyon. He's called the old serpent. He's called the dragon. He's like a lion roaring around seeking whom he may devour. Many different titles and names for him. He's a fallen cherub. Notice thoroughly that we are to serve at all times even knowing your time is short. <laughs> Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given him all things and he continued to serve. I mean, he knew it. And he continued to serve. Too often, once God has established a person at a place of ease and comfort, it causes them to be at ease themselves thinking they deserve it and get themselves in trouble like David. They went out to war. The times of war, the kings go out and David's kicked back in his castle, went out on his balcony and saw that naked lady and got in trouble. You know, we're first born again. We're first in the Lord. And man, we're just, oh yeah, let's get going, this and that. And all of a sudden we say, well, you know, I'll kick back. I'll do this. I won't go this weekend. It doesn't matter, this and that. And before we know it, we're in some deep stuff. We're in trouble. Too often when God provides many things, they become an obstacle for service and use to benefit oneself rather than others. All of a sudden, there's no more vision outwardly, but it's all inwardly. And this happens in all congregations. You know, we started with just chairs and just a little room, and here we are in this nice building and everything, and it's so easy to just come in and kick back and say, well, you know what the heck, it's going to be there next week, this and that. And Boy, you know those pews, I don't really like that color. They should get another color and this and that. And um, real easy, it doesn't take much, does it? Jesus knew that it would not be long till he would return to God, yet he continued to serve. He continued to serve. Often individuals work hard and serve diligently at first. Then after a while, they serve murmuring and complaining, or not at all. I mean, people get on fire here sometimes. You know, oh, I want to do, okay, great. Come. And they come in, and all of a sudden, it's like one of those fourth, like, bzzz, fizzle out, you know what I mean? 
And they're not like that rabbit, you know? Keep going, but they just fizzle out. At other times, individuals, knowing that their time is short, will not do their best, and they'll slack off and not even show up. Now, we've all seen this where we work. You know, a guy's short. He's got two weeks. He's given his notice. So he comes in late, takes a little longer break. Instead of working, he walks around talking and joking around. Well, Christians are like that, too. You know, it, it's like, you know, we, we begin good, but then we kind of just learn the language, learn the ropes, go here, go there, and, and everything. And um, a lot of dust, but no holes being dug. And tragically, that's the characteristic of our church today. We have uh, somehow come to the place of being an entertaining society. And so people say, well, you know, I'm too busy preacher, so don't bug me. You know, I'll come. I'll listen to you if I have to. And, but don't ask me to be involved. Don't ask me to do anything because I commute long hours. And, and, you know, by God, I deserve to just kick back. Nah, you really deserve hell. You don't deserve to kick back. Um, <laughs> You need to be busy. You need to be busy about your father's business, lest you get yourself in trouble. You need to end up more fervent than when you started. Uh, Jesus um, destroyed my life 23 years ago, and I've never been the same, and I haven't stopped. I'm not boasting or glorying. I'm just telling you that that's what's happened to me. And I can't even imagine easing up. You say, well, you know, you get paid, that's full-time. No, no, I did that before I was full-time. Uh, we were in ministry. We are serving. We were filling up uh, vans full of people, taking them to concerts. We were going out to the high schools and ministering. That's just the way it was. It hasn't stopped. We didn't drop our kids off with anybody. We took our kids to retreats, to everything. <laughs> we moved together as a family. That's important. Parents, if you don't serve, uh, don't think your kids are going to serve. They'll never serve. And their generation will be one that rise up that knows not God. Promise. Guaranteed. We serve at all times, fourthly, even if it doesn't appear glamorous in the eyes of the world. Even if it doesn't appear glamorous in the eyes of the world. Verse 4 and 5. Jesus arose from the supper table. He took a, on the position of a slave. And he laid aside his garment, his outer robe, he took on a towel, girded himself, he poured water into the basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel which he was girded with. Jesus took the form of the lowest of slaves. He would wash all the feet of the guests, this slave. He would do so due to the dirt that would be collected because of the dirt roads and the sandals and everything else that was collected, the filth on the, on the sandals. And he would wash every one of them. He was the lowest slave of the house. Apparently here, no one was there except 12 disciples. And God forbid that they should wash feet. So Jesus got up and washed feet. <laughs> I am amazed at how often people think themselves above certain things in their service to the Lord. Uh, the things that have high visibility and recognition, flashing, as they're always sought after. You have an announcement for singing, oh man, you've got a line long, long line. There's a position for teaching or something or overseeing, boy, here we go. The things that are not so visible or convenient or flashy are not sought after so often, like ushering. 
You know, you have to get here about 5.30 in the morning on Sunday, clean the toilets, pick up the cigarette butts all over and clean the street and pick up the beer bottles and um, vacuum and clean the windows and get ready for the people that are going to come. Nobody sees you. Prayer. We have a prayer meeting, maybe 30, 40, 50 to show up. We've got 12 to 1,400 people. It's not flashy. It's not visible. It's not entertaining. What would happen if certain parts of your body refused to do what they were created for? Wouldn't they hinder your ability to perform to full potential? Of course it would. For that reason, Paul has masterfully given us the metaphor of the body, the church. It is so simple, so obvious, that it, you can't miss the importance of it. Your body's made up of different parts, and yet all of them comprise a body, and all together give it its full potential and efficiency. If everyone in the body was involved doing what they have been called to do in the work of the Lord, the work of the Lord would increase much more. Just very practical. Just think about it. Just think if every one of you invited one person this morning, brought one person. That's not far-fetched. Now, am I telling you to get out there in the flesh and do it? No, I'm not telling you that. But I'm telling you that the most practical things in the way we live our life, God will use that even. But the problem is that many times Christians are not concerned about anybody. They're hardly having a difficult time trying to get out of the house on time, let alone picking up somebody who's lost or inviting someone who doesn't know Christ or calling them up. We're so preoccupied with ourselves that we've left the world to go to hell and not even bother. And that does concern me as a pastor. The way you find out what you're called to do is to make yourself available. While you're growing, sitting in the pew, studying, praying, God will direct you. But if you're just sitting, you're never going to go anywhere. You're probably not going to do anything. Now, there's a legitimate time for you to sit. Give yourself two, three, four months to get grounded a little bit, then, then jump up and start, you know, getting involved. And then God will redirect and guide you. If you serve only when things are convenient or comfortable, you probably won't serve much in the church because there's always one thing or another that's taking our time rather than serving, right? Always. Now, you know, you know that if you live at home with six people in the home, and the family, and if everybody picks up and does a room and does their chores, the house is kept clean, right? Little bit of energy, not much. No one's put out. You have a lot more time to do other things. Well, it's the same thing in the church, the ministries, various things, whatever it may be the work of the Lord. But sadly, the church is so much like a football team. You've got thousands of spectators who need desperate exercise and they're sitting on their duff. And you've got a small number of men out there who are in great shape and they're out there exerting themselves. And everybody's watching them. We are to serve at all times. There is no exception. There's no such thing as a modern church that doesn't serve. <laughs> Never. 
Notice, secondly, we are to serve all people. This is the exhortation. First, we have the proclamation, now the exhortation. We are to serve all people. Verse 6, even those who object. Peter was shocked that Jesus would wash his feet. Lord, are you washing my feet? Peter was probably not the first, by the way. <laughs> and he probably watched him go down the road and he said, when he gets to me, I am not going to let him. No way, he's not going to wash my feet. Peter was very impulsive and rash, as you know. And he probably felt very uncomfortable when he was served. Peter could have been objecting out of pride. But if he wasn't, many people do. You'll serve them, they'll object it because of pride. But it's okay, who are you serving? No big deal. Secondly, we're to serve all people, even those who do not understand. Look at verse 7. Jesus told Peter that he did not understand what he was doing. He didn't know. What I'm doing, you don't understand. Now, Peter viewed this type of service for someone beneath his own position, not one above him. So he's using his brain. He's thinking, oh, no, no. Let your preconceived ideas out. Put your worldly ideas out. And get in the word of God and find out what the principles of the kingdom are. Do not try to operate your gifts and to offer your service in the church through a corporate level management or through corporate principles. <laughs> get in the scriptures. Find out what it teaches. Some people will not understand why you do the things you do. They might even think you're crazy or foolish. But once again, who are you serving? You're serving the Lord. Notice Peter could not receive the service by grace, gracefully. He couldn't handle it. Now, simple people can't. They just feel awkward when you try to serve them. But it's okay. They may not understand, but it's okay. You serve the Lord. Some people think that you're doing it for ulterior motives, whether it be to be thought of as spiritual or to gain something from them. But what does it matter? You're serving the Lord. Now notice Jesus told Peter also that he would understand after. He didn't then, but he would after. Peter had a wrong understanding of the kingdom of God. What a difference when we are filled with the spirit of God and understand as we allow him to teach us through his spirit. Remember, Peter had a wrong concept as well as the other 11. Peter was not only having a bad understanding of the kingdom, but remember, Peter was not filled with the Spirit of God until Pentecost. Then when Pentecost came, he was filled with the Spirit. Everything came alive. The Holy Spirit turned the light on. Now, what a tragedy that one can be born again, have God's Spirit, and be carnal so as to not be able to understand what God is doing in his or her life. There are many people in the church who are born again, but they're so carnal, they don't understand what God's doing in their life. They don't have a clue. Not a clue. I'm amazed how many Christians say they're Christians and believe in abortion. I'm amazed how many people say they're Christians and they go see all kinds of real bad R-rated movies. I'm amazed people who say they're Christians and they don't put boundaries for their children. They let them see and hear anything they want. So we need to have a right understanding of the kingdom. Our service begins to those who we love at home. We need to do that. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, reminding us of the simple truths that servicing God's kingdom is manifested in various ways and begins within our own homes. And we've been listening to a message Pastor Xavier has called Jesus the Servant of Love, a study from the 13th chapter of the book we're currently working our way through, the Gospel of John. Now, you may be interested to know that today's presentation can be heard again anytime by way of the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's still much more to come of today's in-depth study right here next time as well. But if you prefer your own personal copy on CD, we can make one available for only $4 upon request. The title to ask for is Jesus the Servant of Love. You know, having it on CD makes it much easier to absorb the teaching at your own pace, enabling you to start and stop it as you like, and also makes it convenient to pass along to others. So we'd be happy to pass one along to you for just $4. Just ask for the study, Jesus the Servant of Love, and address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please include the call letters of this station with your correspondence. That would be a great help to us in our efforts to monitor the effectiveness of this radio ministry. Next time, Pastor Xavier continues our study of Jesus the Servant of Love by urging us to be doers of the Word, not just hearers. So please do be along for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com